Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about the stream of many eyes and the new Wizards of the Coast product, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, as well as our personal games in which we talk about um, downtime and how to spend money and how to um, award experience to your party and things like that. So let's, let's dive right in. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with the silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Saturday morning, exciting June 2nd Saturday morning as the summer kicks off. Yeah, I am a sleepy boy today, too, so I apologize for... Uh, I didn't stay up late. I woke up early for some reason, and I'm not sure, but Lucian and I were talking, and I'm just, like, yawning and out of it, so... Um, if I am a, a sleepy boy today, oh, are we are we live though? I don't see our transition, um, but yeah. So I'm sure everybody here is aware, but we'll talk about it because it's awesome. The Stream of Many Eyes announced their new Dungeons and Dragons uh, module that's coming out in September, I believe. September eighth. Could be wrong about that. I'd have to like check again. Um, uh, yeah, put it on our dock, which I'm pulling up now. But uh, it's called Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and it's a heist adventure set in Waterdeep. And I totally was really, well, I was really excited for this, A, because I kind of called it. I said, like, wouldn't it be cool if they had um, an entire adventure that just took place in the city of Waterdeep? Like, I think that would be really cool. And me as a dungeon master, that's something I've been wanting to do is like an urban city adventure. But I've never really figured out how because, I don't know, it's just more it always feels more epic to go on some long quest and they have to gather the five rings of of blah 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 and come back and and summon something and so i don't know i was really excited to see how they turn like you can't just have like a fight against an owlbear in the middle of Waterdeep. like there's repercussions for um fighting people and and you can't just like murder things that you find so i don't know there's going to be rules and regulations and there's going to be shops and how do you deal with all of that um in an in a closed adventure like that so i don't know and i'm really they haven't released the level ranges for this yet but i'm really hoping that it starts at like five maybe a little higher um and ends around 15 or so just to kind of offset the one to ten that we've been getting through with a lot of the adventures lately but i don't know yeah thoughts so some (laughs) of the things yeah they there was a great um stream they started last night at about 4 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah. And they went right into touring the set where they were, you know, going to have all their stream games this weekend, which we'll be watching a lot of those. But then they also did a quick, you know, they had Jeremy Crawford, they had Chris Perkins, they had Kate Welch, and they had Mike Murrows all sitting down with Anna. And they just talked about the book in general. They talked about a lot of the art that's coming in the book and a lot about what they were going to do. And obviously urban adventure. Like we haven't had an urban adventure Uh, set yet for fifth edition so this is really kind of it they did even say that they took a lot of inspiration from the city box set which was yeah back in the day you know what you could do when you were going to role play in a really large city so they went back to that to to drum up some ideas and to get some things so i thought that was kind of cool um they also wanted to highlight mechanics that maybe people weren't using as much so like there's mechanics in xanathar's guide that they put out that Mm -hmm. had to do with npc villains and and 
Rivals. Rivals, yeah, that, that was comes the big back one. into the forefront here because they're going to use that quite a bit, or they reference it again. Chase mechanics from the Dungeon Master Guide, a way to do chases that make them fun and dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, encourage downtime play. They said this is the first time they've had downtime play in a regular adventure. That's usually an adventure league kind of thing. Yeah. But in this one, there's a lot of downtime stuff that's going on where you're expected stuff might happen. Um, yeah, and Chris Perkins said, was saying that, like, on on the subject of the downtime stuff, that there is, like, you can do a whole bunch of the adventure and then have not side quests necessarily, but, like, all of a sudden they're going to drop this bomb that just kind of explains, like, oh, my gosh, I didn't, I didn't recognize that this was actually the adventure. I thought it was this, you know, zig when they zagged, so to speak. Um, and I think the downtime is going to come into that because you're going to have all of this, like, well, let's craft a magic item and let's do this, which also makes me think that it might be higher level, but like, who knows? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm really excited. About that. Yeah. They were going to say what levels was it meant to be, but I know one of the things like even Vlad Shronen says in chat was talking about, this is not a world shattering adventure. Like all the other ones have been the death world curse, affecting summoning Tiamat. Things. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, the giants, you know, <laughs> rampaging. But this is about, you know, just an adventure. In... Now, it did sound like I saw this morning in the D&D Beyond short clip, uh, Chris Perkins talked about, you know, if you're not able to stop the bad guys from getting the heist, the gold, the money, they're going to yeah. do terrible things with it. <laughs> yeah, so, they are so bad guys. it seem like there's a bad, way, there's a bad reason not to just do stuff. But it seems like there's a lot to it that allows you to deviate there's a lot and he said there were nine wards in Waterdeep. they're bringing back the big giant map um this is a big ed greenwood baby i mean Waterdeep is one of probably the most written about cities in faerun it's got to be like it's in more books and yeah. more box sets it's boulders gates and games and stuff even go back down to Waterdeep. and i want to say it's boulders gate or neverwinter but that's probably just because of there's video games based off of those and there hasn't been one of Waterdeep. but yeah uh, but Waterdeep is i mean it's Waterdeep. it's huge it's the yeah. crown of the north or whatever they call it so <laughs> yeah. um mike burrows likes to talk about it like it's uh new york is the way so in his mind you can tell that's what he's equating new york to be Mm -hmm. so you get this very cosmopolitan type city you get this very big city that has a mixture of all cultures it's not weird to see a tiefling uh dwarf an asimar an aarakocra and their buddy halfling walking down the road as adventurers that's not something that's out of sight Mm -hmm. in Waterdeep. like but when you play out in the hinterlands, that's something that is a little bit more. Or they said you could play this adventure as a drow party, which I thought was interesting. The book helps you make sense of that. Whereas, you know, if you have a drow party and you're trying to play out in Silvery Moon or something, that's going to yeah. be a little bit more difficult yeah. <laughs> to explain why that is allowed to happen. Um, I want to do an all dwarf party for this adventure. Yep. <laughs> just everybody has to play a dwarf all dwarf party it's gonna be awesome they're all they're all after the gold it's yeah. like that just sounds so much fun for me <laughs> nine dwarves and a halfling is where i'm thinking you should go possibly and they and oh and they've got like a like a dragon has taken their home and they have to no yeah see yeah nobody's thought of nobody's this thought of that super really smart <laughs> Um, and they talked about a new mechanic about, yeah, owning property. So like, I think one of the intro quests is about, you get a deed to a place, which Mm -hmm. I thought was kind of cool. Um, immediately the people I'd heard about that started thinking about, oh, the adventures have a place of operations, like a home base. 
that's kind of a cool thing because we haven't really mechanically had a ton of, although that's what Matt Colville's yeah. Kickstarter was about, right? The, yeah. That's, that's the meat of it. <laughs> so that's an interesting thing. I mean, obviously they're, they're separate publications. They're not talking to each other, but like, I wonder how much of that you could steal or, or incorporate into your game um, from yeah. Colville's book with this one. But I love the idea of owning property or, or even like, like I'm, I'm doing something right now with my players where they came to me and said, Jordan, we have all this money. Um, what can we use it for? Like, what can we do with all this money? And so I spent last week trying to come up with ways for them to use money. And I incorporated a lot of stuff from Xanathar's because they have some good things about crafting magical items and things like that. Um, and then I kind of made like a shopping list for them. Then they can do some shopping. But um, it got me thinking, like, I would love to have one of my players say, like, well, can I invest in something? Like, could I could I invest in this merchant ring and hopefully come back and have more money afterwards kind of a thing? And and there's there's so many possibilities with with money and finance that I'm really curious about this this adventure and how they're going to incorporate that. Yeah, there could be almost like a little mini game that's going on behind the scenes. My my norm, my original party that I played with the most roll their eyes when you say that because every adventure I would always turn into, can I buy a brothel? Can I start a trading company <laughs> at the same time we're adventuring? Like I'm trying to shove all my money into this next trading company and I want to yeah. buy two wagons because they're going to take stores from here and they're going to take it over to the other town. They're going to make a little bit of money and I just want to come back and take that money. And everybody would roll their eyes at me at the table because I wanted to play a small economics game yeah. <laughs> at the same time I'm playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And they're like, we're trying to save the world and you're trying to make like 50 bucks on some yeah. you know, parcels of wheat. What are yep. you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just into it. I just want to, I want to own the brothel and I want to, you're own, playing you know, settlers of Catan while the rest of us are <laughs> yeah. trying to kill kobolds. So. Yeah. so there's definitely a lot of people that love that. And I, it's, it's goes straight to my heart to be able to have some type of economic stuff happening behind the scenes, because if you're going to get a 10,000 gold piece cache of treasure, you've got to have something to, if you don't have anything to spend it on, then why did we go get the 10,000 pieces of gold in the first place? Right. Like if we don't need to spend it and there's nothing we can spend it on, why are we doing this? Which you is know, another reason I was excited for Colville's book is that's like, you can spend your money on a wizard tower. You can spend your money yeah. on buying a castle. Um, and now like my players are level 10 now. And I mean, the amount of money they're going to get from adventures is, or from, from adventuring is only going to go up kind of exponentially because that's how it, it you roll it in the dungeon master's guide. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Really... I know one thing they said um, was that this is a can be a shorter adventure. One of the things they got from feedback is all the other adventures that they put out thus far have been ones that take a long time to go through from start to finish mm -hmm. as far as a campaign length time. And this one can be smaller, but it has more replayability than the other ones. Like it would be kind of hard to probably replay Chol with the same characters because you've already solved the death curse. If you've gotten through that and you did it, um, then there is no death curse. And then, may, you know, you might stay in Chol and adventure, but you're not really doing that adventure again. Whereas yeah. this one sounds like there's different villains and depending on what season it's in, different villains are doing different things and they're trying to get this different money or amount of money. So you could even go through this multiple different times stopping these things or helping these things and it it allows well, it, you to be a little more modular that was something i wasn't thinking of is having your players go through it multiple times because um the way i interpreted that is that the dm won't get bored because kind of like how um i think it was uh 
Curse of Strahd, you had like a card game that you played at the beginning to decide like where certain artifacts were in the game. So it changed it up for the the players, I guess, but it also changed it up for the DM so that he had something new to run. And I was thinking the same thing, like you have a new villain or something, but hypothetically, I guess you could run through it. And then maybe this other villain comes in and says, well, now I'm trying to get after the money and they have to stop him as well. Yeah. And it, and, and the, the way they made it sound like it's very different when you're doing it in the summer and each of the villains will have you in different wards of the city. Yeah. So not only you're trying to stop this one and maybe that's down near the dock area and that has to do with all the kinds of cool stuff that's happening down there. But then this other one might have you go into the, um, the underdark, right. Or it might, one might have you go to up to where the nobles are, where, you know, whatever the different wards are. I know there are nine of them. Um, so I thought that was interesting, or at least they're making an attempt to make the module. Yeah replayable for the same party also like you said the gm can play it a bunch of different times with a bunch of different groups and it could be totally different draft and if it's yeah if it's shorter i think that's smart um like from a business standpoint to just kind of be like okay we could either give you um i don't know because like i'm i'm i buy the adventures because i steal a lot of them but i have yet to run a wizards of the coast adventure like I haven't, I haven't sat down and run out of the abyss or any of those, even though I've wanted to, but I've stolen little bits from it. And so if this is a modular thing where I can steal a whole bunch from it, like I'm more inclined to buy a book like this as a dungeon master, because I can, I can manipulate it into my own campaign really easily. Um, that being said, if it is like a fun adventure from, I don't know, five to 10 or something, and it's a shorter adventure then uh, taking, taking the, the module and, and having a group of friends and playing it and finishing it in two months and then being able to go to another group of friends and say, I, I want to run this again and, and run it again from them two months rather than the, you know, 12 to 16 months it takes you to get through yeah. out of the abyss yeah. or something. I'm in, a, I'm in a year and a half and I'm still not through Storm King's. Thunder. Yeah. And that's like weekly, right? Like usually. Yeah. 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 For the most part. See, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so, only other couple things they mentioned. Um, they have a chapter in there that's a Volo's tour of Waterdeep. They give yeah. you a bunch of information about Waterdeep. So if you buy the book just for, hey, I would really like to know a lot about Waterdeep, then this book, you don't even have lore. to run their heist or whatever they're going. You just have a lot of stuff. There you go, Lore. Love, yum, yum. Um, they made it sound like this is going to be an RP-heavy type campa- campaign. Because fighting isn't necessarily everything that you'll be doing, right? Fighting inside Waterdeep is frowned upon, it sounds like. So it's going to be interesting how that how those mechanics work, how the guards work, how they try to keep the peace with with your because normally players are just slinging fireballs wherever they want. Now you're setting buildings on fire and stuff. You have to be a little more careful with your spells, which would from a, from somebody who likes to play wizards, um, being able to exchange all of those damaging spells for things like friends and charm person and like more of, more of interrogation and scrying stuff. Like that's gotta be fun. You know, like you never get to use a half of these spells you never use out in the, out in the wilderness because they're just not useful out there. Like I can't charm a basilisk. So (laughs) Um, and then the last thing I think I saw September 6th was the date I go. wrote down that it'll be in game stores. Um, and I, I think after that is when yeah, you can do your two weeks pre-orders, later. start getting shipped out. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. 
They said the four words I heard them talk about when they were explaining the, the adventure, intrigue, stealth, wit, and diplomacy. Yeah. That Get your bards out. And then as, yeah, and then one <laughs> last side note, uh, they actually brought in outside writers, and Matt Mercer was one of the ones that helped write the book. Oh, fun. Uh, I didn't know that. As, along with James Heck and I think a couple other people, they brought in outside writers to participate and be part of uh, the creation of this book. So it was, and this was like, uh, like people were, sorry, Chris Perkins was talking like this was his baby, right? He's just like, he's been working yeah. on this one for a long time, which is I think where everybody was like, they're going to go to Spelljammer and they're going to do all like planes hopping and all this other stuff, because why else would he be so excited about this baby adventure? But I really like that. It's this kind of fun, self-contained city urban adventure. Um, and I can totally see why he's getting excited about that because it's new and it's different. It's not the end of the world anymore. It's like, how do I, how do I just solve this one problem with some really powerful villains so that I can't necessarily, cause I remember this from the stream as well. They were saying that you can't, or maybe it was from the video, but like you can't, um, you have very little hope of actually like attacking and defeating these villains. Like you have to use stealth and, and deceit and things like that to actually get through and, and stop them as opposed to beating them into submission. So, yeah. So I think that'd be fun. Um, I'm excited. Me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> it woke they me made right it up. sound like they made it sound like you could, even if Waterdeep doesn't exist in your campaign, you still can use this as a template for a large, um capital like city experience it'll have plenty of the stuff that you need to to bring it over even if you want your own pantheon if you want your own set of good guys and villains and and all of that stuff it sounds like they'll they'll have stuff in there to help you do that also yeah it doesn't just have to be water deep doesn't have to just be um, easily reflavorable which is again smart on their part and really awesome i didn't it seems like another dm book to me i don't I didn't hear anything in here that a player would buy this for. I did hear they have a bunch of new magic items in it, and they have a ton of NPC stat blocks. Yeah. So if you're looking for lots of stat blocks for lots of city dweller kind of people, there's going to be a lot of those kinds of things in here. So that's also going to be good. But it feels, again, like a pretty DM-centric well, it's, uh, module. But yeah. the art in it's, it's an adventure, really so... I mean, like yeah. any adventure, nobody, no player is running out and getting, you know, Tomb of Annihilation and things like that. So, um, it's... well, I think the only reason they might is when they release something like a new race or a new class that is yeah. bundled with it, like they did with Princes of the Apocalypse. I think was kind of that way because they brought in the Genasi, right? Or, or was I think that was a free um, supplement temple of elemental evil supplement or something that they released alongside kind of like uh tomb of annihilation they had the turtle but they released like the turtle package along with it and stuff so yeah they, i mean yeah. even though i think it's in the book yeah but yeah, yeah. yeah i think they that, you know that might be a reason somebody might grab something like no that if you're a player and you're a collector you're obviously going to pick this up but like for the most part i think this is for dungeon masters and yeah. um but I mean, every player should be a dungeon master at some point is my opinion because it's a lot of fun and it's a it's a different rewarding experience. So you should definitely pick this up. Maybe Wizards now of the, the Coast one, did not sponsor yeah. us. The <laughs> one that's true. Yeah, yeah, we're just super fans. Uh, the one question I want to ask, and maybe I'll try to tweet it out to them at some point, is how does this affect Adventures League? Because usually, when you have a new storyline, you have a new season of Adventure League. 
So yeah. are, is there going to be a new season of Adventure League with this one? And if so, when's that going to start? And when do we start seeing some stuff on that? I don't know when it's going to start, but during the stream of many eyes, they did say that there was a villain that they, they just couldn't fit into the adventure because it was too big. So they took that villain and made him the central focus of the adventure league storyline. So there is going to be an adventure league storyline featuring this other villain that they just didn't have enough time for, but like a really prominent name, as they said, like it's going to be, I mean, you'll know who it is kind of a thing. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm not, I run a YouTube channel on D&D lore, but I am not super well-versed in all of the various characters of Faerun. Uh, but um, like I know Jarlaxle and things like that, but we'll, I'm really curious as to see. I keep saying that, but it's just like, it's so exciting, new adventure. Like, I don't know, I get all pumped. I get pumped yeah. for new books. So <laughs> my copy of Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes came in the mail like a couple days ago, and I've just been reading it like crazy. Um, and side note, really enjoyed... Like I've read most of it now, but I've really enjoyed the section on dwarves. And I think that's what I said it earlier. Like I want to have an all dwarf party. Like after reading that, I really want to run a group of people that it's an all dwarf party because they're just super cool. And maybe it's because I made um, a dwarf wizard recently because I make characters when I'm bored at work, but I made a dwarf wizard and I'm like, I really want to play this dwarf. Like I just dwarves are so cool. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was super, I love the, the whole devil chapter. Oh when yeah, it talked about blood that, war and whole stuff. idea. Yeah, so many it's, ideas. It's just like that. that show, like Lucifer, where you have a likable character that is basically a fallen angel who is the devil who presides over hell. So normally that should be a character we all despise and hate, but in some ways there's still something likable about that character. Mm-hmm. And so in a devil campaign, you can have that lawful evil villain that still has some type of likable quality about them that just, you just go, dang it. Why do I like this bad guy? I don't, you know, I don't understand <laughs> why I like this bad guy. I should hate this guy, but he's kind of cool. You know, he's kind of, yeah. I get, you know, what's going on. So I like the idea of being able to create something like that. So maybe eventually. But. Yeah. One of the things I think I was reading about the, um, the people, sorry, the people, the arch arch devils, the ones that like rule over a layer of hell and they're mm-hmm. able to cast, um, the wish spell for a player if they say like devote your entire soul to me kind of a thing and you were looking for that like how could I entice a player like well wish can do a lot of things and if you know it's like okay well I want to, I want I need to save this orphanage from burning down to the ground it's like well I can do that for you at a cost of your immortal soul and yeah. it's, I don't know, you were talking about having a fun adventure like that. And I'm like, it's, it's there, like they're powerful beings. They could do, they could make bargains like that. So, yeah, that's exactly what I want it to be a cool contract. And then they get used to go fight the demons because that's what the devil's doing is trying to keep the demons out of the realms yeah. or trying to keep the demons from doing their thing, you know? And I just thought, oh, that'd be cool. Evil using you to fight other evil was just a cool kind of storyline yeah. twist. I thought that's fun. So I think that'd be fun. <laughs> Well, Mr. Lucian, uh, what did you do in games this week? Well, I had another week where a lot of stuff got pushed around and postponed. Um, but starting out with Tuesday, we did uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Um, we were traveling in that from one region where we had just finished a main quest and needed to get to kind of where the next quest that we decided we wanted to tackle was. But between that is about... I don't know, a week's worth of travel through the jungle, maybe more. And so we dive deep into the random encounters, 
table of Tomb of Annihilation as we track through this, you know, this jungle. And so it's a lot about weather changes. It's a lot about stuff just randomly happening to you. Lots of combats are popping up that really aren't connected to anything. It's that kind of part of that module that is the, we need to travel somewhere. And we talked a little bit about last week where we said, do we just skip over those parts or do we just make travel a skill check thing? But this is still back to old school. You're traveling, you roll on a random encounter table, a random encounter happens, you fight through that random encounter and you move on. So this is kind of the quintessential what's normally been done. And it really felt like that. It really, the, the one thing that I think that we is, we didn't remember to say or point out last week is from a DM's point of view, we might think that's pretty boring. Um, and we might be looking at ways, that's why me and you discussed it, ways that we would change it or make it different. Mm-hmm. But as I was sitting there doing it with a player, as a, from a player perspective, here's why I did like it because I knew each of those encounters was getting me closer to fifth level. I didn't care that they weren't tied into a story. I didn't care that we came up with some cool mechanic. All I cared about was another thousand XP because I'm so close to getting the fifth level and that's so close to getting the, uh, the ability I want yeah. and continue my class build. So I was almost like, I'm glad he didn't come up with some crazy thing to just say, ah, we won't worry about it. Let's just go to the next thing because yeah. Now I'm getting that XP. So I think sometimes as DMs, don't let yourself fall into the trap of um, not remembering why the players are there, right? The player's main motivation over everything, over I want to RP, I want to sit with my friends, I think even more than any of that is either I want to get a really cool item or I want to get to my next level. And that's what's going to drive me to come over to your house and spend four more hours next Sunday, you know, afternoon, because there's a chance for me to get an item from you, or I'm going to finally get to that next level where I get this next cool ability. So did it still feel like slogging through, like you were saying? I mean, even though you were just like, well, at least I'm getting experience points. Like, is that enough motivation for a player? Yes. Well, it is, I guess, but like, is it a healthy... (laughs) motivation like can you make that slog less of a slog i don't know yes if you give me the same xp yeah because i made almost enough to go from fourth level to fifth level in the three encounters that we had okay so if we're gonna do just a skill challenge which is fun and maybe there's a bunch of there's a dice rolling game going on or like a rock paper scissors mechanic or mm-hmm. a card game that you've come up with that all seems fun if at the end of that there's been no experience you'd much rather you're just cheat fight your through. player a little yeah. bit yeah yeah i was like give me a fourth encounter i kept hoping when he rolled the encounter and says oh you guys made your survival check nothing happens today i'm like damn <laughs> like, give us some more because I, give us some more goblins give us some more orcs because we want to get to the fifth level you know what i mean yeah and that was me as a greedy player sitting and thinking about it from a player's perspective so hmm. that was something that taught me again to remember that sometimes our motivations are not exactly the same yes they want a good story it's cool if you're super descriptive about your world it's cool if you have introduced new mechanics and things that are happening but in the end Make sure you're at least given the same XP you would have gotten if you replace a feature. Yeah, is all I, I think, think is my next game is going to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually hand out experience points. 
Um, and that's really easy for encounters. Like, you know how much a monster is worth, but it's going to be difficult being like, okay, this like role play session, how much is it worth or something like that? So maybe I'll have like a base, like you're going to earn at least 200 experience tonight, no matter what we do, because we're going to play for three or four hours. And then on top of that 200 experience is the monsters that you fight, um, is something, the mechanic that I was thinking of using, but because I want to, I don't know, playing an adventure league where you only get experience for monsters, it's taken forever to level up. And I'm just kind of like, oh, my God. And I haven't right, been to every session. Encounters. But, like, yeah. like for for example, in adventure league, I'm getting ahead of myself because it's not my turn. But uh, the guys I play with, they leveled up last night. And when you hit level four, you can spend downtime to automatically go to level five. So now I'm still level three with like 600 experience to go and they're level five. And I'm just kind of like, oh, like I wish we were all at the mm -hmm. same level. I really wish I had not, you know, uh, missed these last couple sessions because it would have been nice to get some extra experience points. But yeah. And it's interesting. Maybe we'll come back to that when you're talking about it. Is that because I'm playing Adventure League, but I'm playing Tomb of Annihilation Adventure League, which is the current storyline yeah. but it doesn't sound like you're doing anything in the current adventure no we're story. playing forges of fury from uh tales of the yawning portal so he's literally just running that module for us as yeah. adventure league rules so yeah yeah so it's kind of a different experience even though we're both talking about the same thing or doing yeah. the same thing so that's interesting um i did want to say i noticed agrippa was going to leave chat there real quick uh and she had mentioned remember that it's women in gaming events all month yeah. this month and all weekend there's lots of stuff going on so support all of your people that you know that are playing uh, role-playing games and i know it's also like pride month so there's a lot of people yeah. that are doing all kinds of events like pb's writing a, a whole pride event thing for an adventure and so definitely support all those people that you know and, and all those inclusive people get more people into the hobby, make sure they feel welcome, do what you can uh, to diversify where you can. Yeah, um, lots of people are doing some really cool stuff. So go check them out yeah. and listen to some podcasts and listen to some uh, live chats. Uh, that's not just a couple of white guys hanging out and right. <laughs> talking about D&D. &D. <laughs> Although we appreciate it. So thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, but... <laughs> we're glad you're here. Um, so that was pretty good. And that was kind of what I came out of that Tomb of Annihilation session. Our Thursday night game got rescheduled. I'm in the middle of trying to buy a house, sell a house, and get yeah. a bunch of stuff done. And that kind of fell in the way. So sometimes that happens. But it looks like we're going to play on Monday night. We're going to move our Borderlands. That's our West Marches uh, schedule. So I thought that we'll get to play there. We're going to have a our Sunday interview with Marcy Vellen is tomorrow. She's big into the Monty Cook and the Numenera community. Um, has played on a lot of their games. Played on a bunch of streams that are real popular out there. We're getting She GMs all the time. Um, probably going to be at Gen Con, does a lot of stuff. We're going to talk to her and uh, really get to know her a little bit better. And hopefully she'll be in one of our games at some point. I met her when I got to play in a charity game that was a, a Numenera charity game. And she was one of the players and that's how I met her. And it was really fun playing a game with her. And I talked about, hey, let's get you on for an interview and, and yeah. uh, keep this thing going because she was super fun. Um, so that's tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then the rest of today is working on the house but uh, the D&D stuff's coming up. I did see one more question I'll answer before I throw yeah. it over to Jordan for his time. It said, what is your favorite of the characters you DM for right now? That sir or ma'am or person, they or them, is a tough question because not only do I have a fantastic group I GM for from the McLancy Waddle group, which is Jordan and Graybeard and PB and Magpie, and they all have awesome characters, like super awesome 
characters, Griselda, Yuretsi, uh, um, Blaze, and uh, Eldath, right? Eglith, yeah. El- Eglith, that's right. I always we, get those we always get his so name close. mixed up, though. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I named him incorrectly because we, <laughs> and I've even defaulted to like Eldath or something, and I'm like, but that's a god. We needed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I love those characters, but I also love my West Marches party, which they are so into their RP. They're so into their backstory. They've got the young kid who got touched by a ghost and is now like 60 years old and he's role-playing that to the hilt. And we've got um, our fighter is changed to be a cleric to bring back the old gods. We have a druid who hates technology and thinks books try to put thoughts into his mind so he's very you know just really crazy when he's around books and then we have a mage who plays like he's sherlock holmes like he his mind goes into a mind space and he can put things it's just this whole really good character group that i love all their characters i can't pick one i don't i don't think i can pick just a single character that's my favorite um though griselda is high up on that probably (laughs) (laughs) I would say probably that Bodoff is a really good character right now. And uh, um, Boone is another good character. So those are probably mine. You guys can catch all that stuff out on my YouTube channel and my VODs, but um, I can't pick one. Sorry. So (laughs) Jordan, how or what have you been doing in D&D this week? Oh man, let me look at some notes because uh, I feel like I had a lot to talk about. So, this last Sunday, I ran a module called Scarab of Death, which is this really cool three-hour one-shot um, for high-level characters, for level 10 characters, to solve a murder. Um, and the cool thing about it is that it incorporates a lot of these things like uh, Speak with the Dead, Scrying, Zone of Truth, all of these spells that you can use to kind of, well, the guy's dead, let's just speak to the dead and see who killed him. Or this happened, how to, you know, da, 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 da. And so it incorporates all of those so that your players can still utilize those functions. But when they utilize them, it just adds to the mystery. So when they speak to dead with the guy, he doesn't know what killed him. Um, it kind of feels like an accident. It kind of feels like somebody was out to get him, but he doesn't know. Um, if you use zone of truth on some of these people, turns out they're all telling the truth, but they can't all be telling the truth because somebody murdered this guy and something happened to cause this problem. How can you be telling the truth when, when, and I'll give you an example. Um, this character was basically in two places at the same time you find out through the adventure. And so they ask him like, where were you today? And he's like, well, I was upstairs. And then they ask the other guy like, well, where did you see him? Well, I saw him outside at the exact same time. And and we have to kind of create a timeline so that people could figure out where, where people were at what time and, and how this was even possible, but everyone's telling the truth. So I told my players afterwards that I'm like, you know, VIP of the night was zone of truth because my paladin took zone of truth as a random spell (laughs) and then utilized that to really figure out that there was discrepancies with people's memories and why there was discrepancies with people's memories is the the puzzle that they had to solve. We had a lot of fun. Um, I was not anticipating it to go over as well as it did, but everyone really got into it. Um, I have one one role player who doesn't role play a ton, but he he loves the game, but he just doesn't like jump in a ton. But there got to a point where he 
he was like, okay, it's, and he's a fighter and he's like, okay, it's time for us to put diplomacy to the side and I'm going to step in. And he rolled a bunch of intimidation checks and really got into it with like, where, where's this guy and who are you working for and all this other stuff. So just super fun. Everyone kind of jumped in and I don't want to spoil it because, um, you should all go and read it. If you want a, a high level murder mystery, it's called Scarab of Death. It's on the Dungeon Masters Guild. In fact, on the YouTube channel, I'll put links in the doobly-doo so you guys can like check it out. Um, I don't know. It was just super fun and it was a fun little break. After that though, uh, players were just kind of like, okay, we solved this puzzle where we solved this murder. The client that they solved the murder for the guy that's being accused of murder who says I didn't do it. He runs a magic emporium. So they said, well, can we buy stuff from this magic emporium? We want to spend our money basically. So my players have been accumulating money for 10 levels now and they haven't really had a chance to spend it. Um, we're in a big city. There's a magic emporium. Um, I, I said, sure, you can spend your money. So I came, I came up with a bunch of stuff from, I've got like a paper here that I like wrote, but I came up with a bunch of items that I thought they might be interested in, like consumable items they can purchase, but also magic items that I deem are not going to break the campaign that they can purchase. Um, and we're going to roll on the magic item price. And I think that's from, yeah, it's from, I wrote it down here. It's from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, where if it's a common, you roll a 1d6 times 100. If it's very rare, it's 1d4 plus 1 times 10,000 gold pieces. And so using this, they can kind of, we can see how much money. Do you want to pull your money together and get a very rare item? Do you want to buy individual items for yourself? It's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. But... I had a, um, a patron actually, and I was talking to him about my dilemma with this. And he was saying like, we'll talk to the, your players and see like, what do they want? Do they really want a plus two weapon or do they really want like a carpet of flying or do they really want, um, just a whole bunch of potions to kind of stay alive and see what they want that they can spend their money on. But, um, yeah, so I'm really excited. We're going to have, uh, some items that they can buy. Um, I'm also going to see if they want to craft a magic item and kind of spend some downtime to do that. And then I'm also going to see if they want to buy new skills because that's in Xanathar's Guide as well. Like, do you want to spend a certain amount of money and downtime to get trained in a new language or get proficiency in a new skill? So I think, yeah. I think with all of those, they should probably drain their coppers really quickly um, because they're going to have too much to spend their money on, I think. So hopefully they'll yeah, be happy. Used... And so this upcoming session is going to be that and then transitioning them from that to this dig site that I keep talking about where they're um, trying to uncover this inverted pyramid. It's a upside down pyramid in the dirt that they found and they want to explore. And that's going to be the big dungeon that I that I put my players in and they have to like explore around and stuff. So we'll see what yeah, goes from cool. there. That is a cool chapter in Xanathar's Guide. I used it in my West Marches game Yeah. to do a downtime month because i wanted the right. characters to have like a month of time where they were just back in town they need to spend some money they need to earn ways to, or build stuff some like a couple of my players one's a poisoner and he wanted to create poison so we need a, a time or a space that that could happen yeah and we needed rules on how would that work so xanathar's kind of added enough of it that i could muddle through and, and get something going not that it couldn't be fleshed out a little bit too but that, yeah, it gives you a good starting point to say, okay, if you have an alchemist in the party, you have a woodworker or a blacksmith and that, and he says, Hey, I'm a blacksmith. Can I build a sword? And you're like, mm -hmm. well, sure. There's no reason you can't. You're a blacksmith. Let's, yeah. let's figure out what it's going to take for you to build a sword. 
kind of thing. So I think that's kind of cool. And, and like you said, magic items that don't break the game. Because 5e, if there's a flaw I'm starting to see in 5e, is that the game doesn't react well to mass amounts of magic items because no. it just throws like fourth the edition curve. was very uh it was balanced around the party getting magical items and i think fifth edition was balanced around no magical items so yeah. the minute you throw in a plus one sword or a plus one this or or even like a, a cape of flying or invisibility or something all of a sudden the game is just really broken so um but luckily they have this magic item price which I'm really thankful for because now I know, like I've handed out gold appropriate to their levels. And now that they're level 10, they have a lot of gold, but even at level level 10, they could still only collectively buy one very rare item and a couple of rare items. So they're not overly breaking the game. Like I'm not giving them a legendary item, nor will they be able to purchase a legendary item because they just don't have the money for it. So I will say that it's balanced in that respect, but no, you're right. Like if you're like me and you hand out too many magic items because you think magic items are fun, you kind of break your game early. So yeah, yeah, you gotta be able to look careful. And even in the regular adventures they're putting out, I have not seen like big, uh, like in Storm King's Thunder, there's not a lot of magic items just being tossed to the players, yeah. even though they're going through the whole adventure as written in the book. I'm hardly changing anything. I'm right. I'm playing as written almost. And, uh, my players complain constantly that I'm super stingy and I don't give them enough magic items. And it's just like, this game is geared there, because yeah. you have so many abilities and so many things that are happening that you're not gonna, it's not gonna be a high magic game. But in some ways we're in Forgotten Realms, which is a high magic realm. So it's weird, this, it's, it's the one thing that is jarring the setting, I think, a little bit because Forgotten Realms is supposed to be high magic, but yet we're playing almost low magic in that way yeah so it's like it feels like the matrix right the, the the little stutter frame that you see every now and then or the little cat that goes by twice you know but then everything else seems normal it's just this little grating thing on me that that doesn't quite fit right there's something there that's not quite right you know so yeah and like um even uh, i guess i'm gonna ask you this question about storm king thunder like even consumables because are there not a lot of potions are there not a lot of spell scrolls not a ton. Because it really no. makes me wonder about, um, like, wizards. If I play a wizard, I want to collect spells. Like, I want to flush out my spell book as best I can. Um, but if you don't find spells, then I would be really disheartened as a wizard, where it's just like, yeah. okay, I'm now level six and I found zero spells to write into my spell book. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what I do as a wizard. In um, a year and a half, and they are level six characters now. I believe they found one cache of scrolls off of one of the quests that had a chance for them to maybe write in three spells. And I think he failed the role. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> so it was terrible. Yeah. Um, potions in in the whole game that they've gotten. Now, they've tried to buy potions left and right. Mm -hmm. um, but just like potions they found while adventuring, maybe four and we're halfway through the module at this point. Um, a few other things that ha they get that they don't, they hoard. There'll be things like spider climb stuff or bracers of the wind yeah. or these other things that could be used if they put a little bit more thought into it, but they're just so much about it doesn't do damage. Uh, it just sits in their pack. So 
but not a lot of stuff, not a lot of rings, not a lot of cloaks or boots yeah. or this or that, or like I've even thrown in some stuff because they've complained. So like one of our guys <laughs> has a, a belt of giant kind and uh, like hardly any weapons at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I love making my own magic items though, too. Like a lot of the items that I've given to my players, I think maybe an, maybe a, maybe two of them are from the DMG and the rest of them are just stuff that I've made. Cause I think it's really fun to have like a sword that does extra cold damage. Or I did, um, I did a sword that I basically, sometimes I'll take spells and turn it into an item. So I did a sword that can cast the gust spell so that they can like, you know, push enemies around with this wind spell. Yeah. Like it's just fun making, making magic items. So especially when you can cater them to, to um, a guy like, like uh, uh, I've got a monk and he's got key points and stuff. I've been working on making a magic item that he could sacrifice hit dice for more key points. So maybe like for every two hit dice, he like puts into this magic item, like his own health, he could get one key point out of it, um, which would benefit him to have extra key points and stuff. Um, it's just fun making magic items like that. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite one is still the flail that your, your character got that, allows them to power up yeah. the flail's damage, but he has to hit himself with it. He has to strike himself with a full hit. So it's like an automatic hit, roll the damage dice, take it, but now that flail for the next minute has an extra dice of damage. Yeah. And if you want to hit yourself again, you can get another extra dice of damage. So it's this weird, it's this fun place of how much do I power it up before I just start unleashing it on the mobs yeah. and the whole time I'm taking damage from that, that whole thing. So and that's the, the whip of Loviatar because my character worships yeah. the goddess of pain. And so we, we created this whip where he has to hurt himself in order to do more damage. Um, and so that's really fun. Cause you want to like roll really low when you hit yourself. And I think I did <laughs> yeah. a couple times. I like hurt myself once and I rolled like one damage. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm good. I took one damage <laughs> to do an extra two D six to these other enemies like that's that's a fair trade but you could do 6 damage to yourself or 8 damage like it it's, it was a fun mechanic and it's like a risk reward like back and forth so yeah that was yeah. a fun and, item. and fit the character like yeah, it, it very fit much exactly fit the character. what the character was yeah yeah that's what i liked about it a lot that was fun yep and then uh what else did i do i've been playing in adventure league um i tweeted about this that i find it really funny that I, I've gone to Adventure League enough now that I have like friends and I, I know the people that go there and I get really excited to to see the people that I, you know, like I adventure with. I know very few of their real names. I only know their character names. And I find that oddly funny that I'm just yeah. kind of like, oh yeah, no, that's Chafe and that's like Sir Henry and that's, the, you know, blah, blah, blah. I know the DM's name is Jason and that's about it. But like the rest of it, I'm just kind of like, uh, yeah, I only know your character name. Um, and now we started a Discord randomly so that we can kind of talk out of the game and see who's going to be there for the following weeks. And we've all plugged in our character names. So I'm like, this still doesn't help me. I'm just going to know you as your various characters as opposed to yeah. real life people. Yeah, but, your online name or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a hobby that I do that's the SCA and we reenact medieval society or combat and stuff. But that's how everybody... So you get there and you know everybody by Sir Logan or, yeah. you know, Sergeant Sasha or, you know, Lady uh, Arabella or, you know, Her Majesty and all this stuff. But then when you see their Facebook name, you're like, who's this Don, you know, whoever person? I'm like, I don't even know that. Name. Yeah. I just know their SCA name or even online. Like when my wife talks about, hey, I'm going to go down to the game store. I'm, I'm going to meet up with uh, Greybeard. 
And that's like, that's his online name. That's yeah. not his real name. <laughs> you know, she's like, who, why do you know anybody that's named Graybeard? Or <laughs> why do you know Sniper 49? I'm going to go down to the store and meet Sniper 49 real yeah. quick. Cause that's just how we know people now sometimes is by, it's like their nickname, I guess, has, has t- come from their handle, their yeah. gamer handle yeah. or, you know, whatever hobby handle. And so I think it's funny that that's true. And like mine is Lucian. That's not yeah. my name. Yeah. No, my <laughs> wife asked me all the time. And you're like, what's his name? I'm like, it's Lucian. It's like, what's his real name? Uh, Lucian. Uh, Lucian. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like never really yeah, had no, a reason to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's Dan. Just so we all are clear. So you have, the, my wife was, it took her a long time for me to convince her that you can have real and true friends online that are as close and as good a friend as you could have in real life. Yeah. She just didn't believe it was possible. She's just like, there's no way you can't have a friend at the same level as you have somebody that lives in your town and comes over to your house. And I'm like, no, I can, because online I can talk to them nightly. Like I don't talk to that person who comes over to my house once every two weeks and maybe comes and sits down talks to us for an hour. And then we consider them a friend and, and that's it. Whereas I talk to my online friends every single night for four or five hours. I know everything that's going on in their lives. I, they know what's going on in my lives, yeah. even though I've never met this person who lives in Washington, or I've never met Jordan physically, you know, in Idaho, I have never met, you know, anybody that's here in Michigan, I would go and meet them. But it's funny how you can have an actual fulfilling relationship or a friendship um, that happens nowadays. It's not just about, they have to be able to come over and sit at your table kind of thing. Yeah. Yep, for sure. It's it's a it's a different world. It's lots of fun. Um, and then in Adventure League, uh, well, that's about it for Adventure League, I guess. Uh, I mentioned earlier that my other two, the two guys at our table, are now going to be level five, um, which might actually be to the benefit of us because if they s- decide to stay with my adventure and the table that we're at, uh, we desperately need like higher level characters because I think there was nine or 10 troglodytes that came, kept crawling out of the water towards us and we had to end the fight because it was the it was time to go home. So we had to stop the right before that battle started. And I'm looking at this like, I've got one spell slot left. I don't know how we're gonna we're gonna do this. So next weekend will be really interesting and we'll see. Yeah, oh, man. something that something really interesting that did happen is we were fighting um, a giant lizard and I, I never caught what, what the monster was in the, in the monster manual. But um, it had a swallow mechanic. And so our fighter was just close enough um, because he was the this lizard was chained. It had a chain against the wall, but he was just close enough that the lizard was able to bite him and swallow him whole. But the bite killed him outright. And then he swallowed the body. And uh, we were all sitting there like, how do we get this guy out? Like, what do we do? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I literally didn't know what to do. Um, there was another bard at the table who cast dissonant whispers to make the monster like scared. And I think our DM was j- being friendly and nice. He's like, yeah, he regurgitates the body as he runs away. Cause he's scared. And then we grabbed the body, pulled it back. I did some cure wounds on him, but that was one of those just like, Oh my God. Like we need to, yeah, we had that happen. We had it in storm King's thunder. They fought a Remoraz. Remoraz has the swallow ability. Uh-huh. Um, the dwarven barbarian played by Greybeard ran up taking a ton of damage because even when you hit it, you take damage back. He's a barbarian, but it's fire damage. He not only dies from that, but gets swallowed. He's inside. So I have to start thinking about, wait a minute, how's he going to do death saves on the inside? Because you take damage continually yeah. when you're swallowed. And so I'm like, oh, he's going to take one hit. If you take damage when you're down, that's like two crits. Yeah. 
that's like two fails. So I'm like, that's it. He's got one rounder. He's out. And the party realized he had died at the same time being swallowed. And they immediately unloaded everything they had to kill the Remoraz so that they could cut him out of there. Because I was nice enough to figure if they killed it, then I was going to let them just cut it out without him having to make any more death saves. Right. But if it was still alive when that next round came around, I was going to have him take damage and he was going to take his two fails and then he'd have one round left. And then it would be like, what do you guys do? Do you recover the body and get it resurrected? Yeah. You're high enough level and you start spending that money or does that character start rolling up another character that we introduced to the, to the party? So yeah, it is an interesting, um, and they, they got super focused and fearful and like they were scared. Their adrenaline was running. Oh, I was too. Yeah. Made for an exciting uh, thing to happen all of a sudden. No, it's, that was, that was like, and I literally turned to them. I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do we do? Um, And so thankfully our GM was nice, but also thankfully we had that extra spell just to kind of make it happen. But yeah. And that's really it. Um, I'm like, 400 500 experience away from level four which would then allow me to bump up to level five um and i'm really enjoying this bard character i'm painting more minis so i painted my bard mini which was really fun uh and yeah i'm just kind of enjoying that i'm really excited for my session tomorrow and we're gonna do go shopping shopping spree and then more more information on, on them getting to this dig site so i'm having a so lot of fun five, with that. your character solidifies you're not gonna make any changes Nope, I haven't made any changes to. Well, I've made one change, but yeah, once he gets to so level you're five, he'll be solidified. Your, what's your subclass? Um, College of Swords. Okay, so you're playing College of Swords, yeah. Bard, Human. Nope, half elf. Half elf, half elf, College of Swords, Bard. Yep. Cool. Although I really like the idea of this dwarven uh, tra- transmuter wizard that I kind of made, and I was like, well, I could just shift him over, but I don't like the name. I don't want to give him the name of my half-elf <laughs> guy. And that's the one thing that has to stay the same as the name. That's the so. thing that has to stay the same. Yeah, yeah. So. I got the same thing. My um, Racky Stormborn, that's the, his name, is a human barbarian uh, zealot. Yeah. So Path nice. of the Zealot. Um, but I'm thinking, do I change him now? Because I'm about to hit fifth level. It's about to solidify what do I do? Do I want to try something else? I'm agonizing because I love lots playing lots of different characters. So yeah. I'm thinking about maybe I should switch just so I could play a whole totally different cool character. Like you said, a blade pack, pack to the blade warlock. Yeah. I was saying that earlier. That. That I, I made a pack to the blade <laughs> warlock because an arch fay, like it's just, I don't know. Like I, I've got tons of ideas for characters and then I sit at work board. And so I make characters at work sometimes. Shh, yeah. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell my work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you guys I was so much. A, yeah. I was making a Black Panther character that I keep thinking I want to try to play too, like based on what Black Panther would be. Oh, that'd be and fun. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I did see a question in chat for you. Oh yeah. I should do, open up chat. <laughs> do you have a preference for a character you DM for? A preference for a character I DM for? Like a favorite? I'm thinking that's what they meant. Yeah. I'm thinking um, who's your favorite character that you DM for them? I you gotta say your wife. She's in the house. Yeah, like there's there's my wife's ranger character who has a fey corgi steed that's really fun. Um, I have one player that uh, we play with a homebrew race called Mouse Folk, and she's basically a large anthropomorphic mouse. Um, and I was really happy that that player took 
decided to do that. So originally I had used this race to create an NPC. Um, when, when my players went to the Feywild, I had these anthropomorph, this like tribe of mice that lived there. And then I was telling her about it. I'm like, you're going to be found in this tribe of mice. And she's like, well, can I be a mouse? And I'm like, I'm so excited that you wanted to be a mouse because I think it's really fun. Um, and they get they get like dodge as a minor action and things like that. They can or a, a bonus action. They can do some cool stuff. But it seemed pretty balanced as far as races. Um, and so that's been fun because not I don't want to say that she's my favorite player, but like I really love that character. She's playing a mouse paladin. And, um, we have a lot of fun where she goes into towns and I'm just like, oh, you're, uh, your pet mouse. And we always actually, um, a, a living or a, a sentient creature as opposed to some kind of like pet. So it's been right. lots of fun. No, that is good. <laughs> but yeah, with that, we're at an hour folks. So we're going to take off. Thank you guys so much for watching the Saturday morning D and D show. Always wonderful to see your bright shining faces in chat. Um, and, and loving the comments on YouTube as well that Lucian and I check. So thank you guys so much for leaving comments and questions and things like that. Um, yeah, with that, uh, more stream of many eyes is probably happening right now. So you can tune into that. Um, and I just want to say thanks again. Yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. Well, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so I'll see you guys later. Bye. We'll see you All next right. week with Bye. another episode of the Saturday morning DD show. Woo. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.